Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Texas Six Shooter. That provided by Noble F1 on Twitter. Some musical ones that came in as runners-up. Edgehammer says, show title, I'm 60 and I know it. I like that. Thank you. And Jackie Morgan says, let's talk about six, baby. And Sam Watley, you get a black and, a black and white flag for your suggestion. I think this is in reference to Binotto. Man celebrates 50th birthday and immediately experiences unpredictable performance issues. Sam, that man has a family. How dare you? We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm also joined by Kyle Power. How's it going, Kyle? Very well. Cheers, Spanners. I'm quite happy after a race which I thought was going to be a nailed on one-stop snooze fest. And we got some strategy variation and a nice little tussle in the end. So I'm a happy boy. It was. It, it's um. It's a. It's a great track, and it's very different to a lot of the old F1 circuits in that you very much can pass around here. Yeah, and as I said, it it looked like an absolute nail dom one stop after the practices. Three practice three, they were getting three runs out of a set of soft tires. I thought, oh, this is going to be a snooze fest. But it was lovely to see everybody committing to the two stop, which ended up being arguably the better strategy at the end of the day. We're also joined by our race analyst Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? Championi! Right, you know when I said, can we ramp up? Can we- <laughs> oh, don't worry, I'm going to ramp it up, it's fine. No, no, but I meant ramp um, it up from not insufferable towards insufferable towards the end of the show. Oh, was that insufferable? I haven't got there Yeah, yet. so I would say, as a concession to the non-Hamfosi out there, obviously you will understand that a lot of us are very happy about Lewis Hamilton's sixth world championship. We are moving talk of the six-time world driver championship towards the end of the show. So the, the non hamfosi can enjoy the show up to that point just as a race review. Sorry, Alex, you'll have to keep it in your box 
for just a little bit longer. Bear in mind as well when you're listening that this is being recorded about an hour after the race ended. We still want to get you these race reviews by your Monday morning commute. So obviously, if you're listening to this on Wednesday and you're like, how come these idiots didn't mention the thing that was in motorsport.com on Tuesday morning? It's because we're trying to get it out to you quickly. On to qualifying. Uh, Not a huge amount to say about qualifying, Alex, except that perhaps this is, this is again, it's the Hamilton weakness in that in a very, very tight qualifying, he didn't seem to put a bank lap in. He went really hot into turn one and then the conditions didn't give him another go. I think he tried to do the standard Hamilton late breaking thing, but I think he got caught out by the bumps. Um, Nowhere near Lewis's par performance, to be honest, for qualifying. Was it fourth in the end, which is and three tenths off, three tenths off, um, nearly three tenths off. He was very hard on himself, as he always is whenever he puts in a poor qualifying performance. And, you know, it set it up for a, a good race, but um, subpar for, for Lewis. Uh, yeah, well, he's he's been not getting pole a lot, Kyle. I didn't quite realise that that was the first Mercedes pole since Hungary, and then it, Lewis Hamilton isn't even the one to take it. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, we expect them to be to be the force to be reckoned with, but this is quite quite a lot of coincidence going on here. There was a as a little maybe slightly unknown to people, a technical directive asked for um, Ferrari's engine from Red Bull, and all of a sudden Ferrari's straight line pace disappears in qualifying. And and the race as well, so it was a bit odd, but yeah, not a great um, not a great performance from Lewis. And again, class act. He admits it himself. He always holds his hands up. I don't get these people who constantly say that he never admits fault because he does every single time. Him and Vettel as well. But stand out for qualifying was Norris P one in in Q one for me. That was that was epic. Uh, yes, uh, there was some great statistic. Like it's been like six years since a team outside of the top three has topped any session. In fact. Uh, I suppose, Jeansy, wouldn't it have been Alonso during one qualifying session where he went out? Alonso in thirteen in the rain. Yeah, that that was so... his, first, his first year at his first year at McLaren in the rain at Silverstone. That was... he, he got, but he went out on softs when the track had dried and everyone else had gotten into. Yeah, it just went for. <laughs> so it's not quite one. the genuine front running pace that Norris had. Norris looked great all weekend, and um, I'm really excited about Norris because he had a fantastic race too. Okay, so we're going to move on to the race and we will talk about uh, Ferrari's overall pace as part of that and specifically actually in its own little section. But first of all, I just want to say to you, Kyle, how dare you? How I think it is outrageous that you are putting a link between Ferrari's sudden loss of race pace and the technical directive that coincidentally aligned with what Ferrari appear to have been doing for the last several races and then their race place suddenly disappeared. Outrageous, I tell you. I think you owe Ferrari an apology. That's what I think. How dare I? Well, sorry, Greta. Um, I <laughs> I think um, I think it's too much to be coincidence. It might just be sick coincidence. I mean, look in the race. They, they couldn't get their tyres in the window either, so you could argue that way. But for me, it was very telling. It was it's quite funny. And this has happened in the past. If you think all the way back to 1998, where they banned the rear wheel brake steer from McLaren and apparently Ferrari were using it as well. And all of a sudden they put a directive in and Ferrari were nowhere again. So this has happened before. Um, I, I personally think it's related, but call me a wild, a wild conspiracy theorist, if you will. We'll go into more detail on that technical directive later. But first, let's look into how the race was won and lost. Uh-huh. 
Okay, so you will see that our lack of squad depth will hurt us here because I'm going to turn to me to talk about where the race was won and lost. So the first element of that is that Ferrari were nowhere to an extent that no one expected. Even with the talk of this technical directive, even with Leclerc's engine going out in P3, I think everyone was really surprised that Ferrari just did not have the pace and they were immediately immediately out of the running which which left uh mercedes with verstappen to deal with and alban took himself out of it as well so immediately you had two on one mercedes versus red bull kyle and immediately you think if history tells us anything mercedes are going to spank red bull on tire life and and red bull aren't really in it yeah um disappointing from Red Bull because they have the ultimate pace. But as you said, they 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 tend to struggle with tyre life. And we've seen this before. So in the first stint, Verstappen, about, about mid-stint to latter stint, started to really fall away, fall away from Bottas. And and yeah, with, with Albon out of the mix, it was two against one. Mercedes can split their cars. Red Bull were always up against it to get to get ahead of them. But yeah, it's disappointing to see to see Red Bull keep falling back mid to late stint like this. And it was a real shame because I was watching Albon's pace the whole way through the race. His pace was as good as Max's the whole way through the race. He didn't suffer at all. And he was going through traffic at a rate of knots, did some great overtakes um, and fought his way through the field and still kept great pace up. It's such a shame because I think he could have been in that fight for the podium. Whether he had got it or not, I don't know, but he would have been in that fight. Whether Red Bull would have let him have the right strategy to be in the fight would have been different because they're not going to let him beat Max, but... No, um, but but, but two, I, I, I'd, yeah. I'd have loved to have seen Albon up there. It's a real shame. But but two Red Bulls versus two Mercedes. Now that would have been very different. Yeah, um, if if Albon would have been in it, um, Mercedes maybe wouldn't have taken the risk to run the one stop with Lewis, and it would have forced him to do the two stop slightly offset. So running slightly longer, two three laps, and then maybe be able to tack on the same start, tire strategy at the end. So we we're robbed of that a bit, but in a roundabout way, it actually gave us the opportunity to have Lewis on that one stop, which we may have otherwise wouldn't have had. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Lewis on the one stop was was definitely what made this race exciting. Uh, but uh, how excited were you guys and then deflated by Hamilton's overtake around the outside of Vettel? Because I, Alex, because I, it looked amazing, but how good was it really? You go around the outside of anybody especially a four-time world champion, is always a difficult thing to do. It's having absolute utmost trust that Seb wasn't going to just come across him. Um, and he doesn't know that Seb's struggling. He just all of a sudden knows he's come out the corner and he's got a run on him. And he's thinking, I can wait and do him down the straight or, oh, hang on, I'll get him here. And he probably didn't even know he was doing it until it was done because that's the kind of thing that happens. Um, and I still think it was an impressive move. I was out of my seat. So um, that was that was awesome. So was I. And it goes to the massive respect that these two have between each other. So I doubt he would have tried to put that move on Max, say, especially after his comments after yes. Mexico. So it just goes to how much respect the two drivers have between each other. But also it's a corner you don't really go around the outside of. Yes, it's the first lap, but it's incredibly dirty offline there. So if you actually see the actual racing line is all four wheels off the track on the curb on the inside. So that would have been a really dirty bit of track. So I, I leapt off the sofa and I, I've got in my notes in big capitals what a move <laughs> written down so it was epic well it, it was a good move but obviously then you saw oh actually Vettel really is struggling so not to diminish the move too much but then he was also overtaken by a McLaren and a Renault which just kind of took the shine off it I think now if we're going to talk about the relationship between 
Verstappen and Hamilton, which could be a key relationship next season if Red Bull fulfill their promise. And the, the, the tension is bubbling up now between those two guys. Vettel and Hamilton ganged up on the press conference after Mexico and said, yeah, we give them a lot of room. Now, Verstappen took that to mean I, I'm in their heads. I took it to mean that the veteran drivers have kind of figured Max out and they know when to hold them. They know when to fold them. They kind of get out of the way and go, well, do you know what? He's probably going to gift us that place back at the moment. Yeah, it's very much them saying, we've got you covered, sonny boy. Don't don't worry your your crazy tactics. We've got them completely measured. And Max is like, no way. No, like, yeah. You know, you never know what I'm going to do. So it's it's a good dynamic to have. And next year, if we can move quickly on to that, um, I'm expecting Red Bull to be to be the biggest force next year against Mercedes. Ooh, you said yeah. that last year, I think. I very much think that that actually it's the opposite. And I think Max, I think Seb and Lewis are in Max's head. And that was showing in qualifying when there was that weird altercation when they're all getting ready for their laps and Lewis didn't want to hang around behind a dawdling um, Max and uh, a dawdling Kafiat. Yes. And he's gone and done Max. And Max has even said it in the press conference that he retaliated to Lewis overtaking him and wanted to get him back. It was a retaliatory move. Um, and he's made a lunge out of nowhere. And okay, Lewis probably wasn't in the best etiquette of overtaking under those laps, but you don't have to. You don't have to stay behind. Um, but Max just showed again his petulance and how. Hamilton is under his skin because he wants to beat Hamilton so badly because he believes he's better. It was a bit rude from Lewis. So they have a gentleman's agreement. Like after a certain amount of the lap, like you do not interfere with people's laps. You get in the queue where you come out the pits. That is your place in the queue and you do not overtake people. So maybe Lewis did it on purpose to try and rattle Max, but Max is very headstrong and just wasn't having any of it. So that's what I raised, but it was completely caused by Lewis. It was very unnecessary to do that. Rude, I agree, but gentlemen's agreements in Formula One don't work. Like with technical directives that are a handshake, they don't work. And if all of a sudden Lewis is like, well, my temp- tyres aren't up to temperature, I've now got two cars in front of me, I'm getting past them because they're going slow, anyone would do it. You know, it's highlighted because it's Lewis, but I, I'd have done it. I think you'd have done it. It's one of those things. Okay, so because it was so key in the strategy, losing Albon and the Ferraris disappearing into the background, meaning that Mercedes really were in the driving seat for this race, I think we can we can afford to very quickly play a quick game of... Whose fault is it? Okay, so on Missed Apex Podcast, we don't have racing incidents. We don't have no-blame incidents because I want to explore the mechanics of who did what, what the rules are, and... If you were the driver coach of that driver, maybe what would you tell them to do differently next time? Now, this situation definitely tests racing incident and my willingness to accept it as a racing incident. However, no, I'm going to stick steadfastly to this. Albon collided with uh, uh, with uh, signs. Kyle, whose fault was it? If we have to apportion blame, I would to. apportion blame to science not giving enough room on the outside. It was clearly a racing accident, but we have to blame somebody. It has to be science because he go around the outside of turn one at a track like Cota. You're always going to get hit by somebody on the inside. I solely and heartily agree with Kyle. Um, science didn't have to give the room 
because he was already off the track anyway. Um, but to avoid contact, he could have gone more to the right. However, it would have affected him. But it was three people into one corner. They all did the right kind of thing and they all converged into each other. Albon, however, Spanners was the least offended party because he was the one in the middle who got squished because who was on the outside of him? Leclerc? Well, hang on a minute. You're making big assumptions that I'm going to blame anyone at all. I might break my mould and come out on the side of racing incident. I I actually do blame Alban for this. You'd already said it. Not not on the show, I hadn't. Yes, I said it to you earlier. (laughs) You opened with it. Okay, Jim, roll the tape back. (laughs) No, I said that I will assign blame and I will assign blame to Alban. He had much more to lose than Carlos signs as well out of this situation. I'm not quite sure what he could have done too much differently. The only thing he could have done is held a bit more ground on the inside, but the way he threw it out to the outside, he had to put absolute trust in Carlos Sainz that Carlos Sainz was not going to keep his nose in. Now, Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris have said over and over again in interviews, in lap one, we are going to kick our nose in and we are going to make as much trouble as we can. So on on the head of somebody who's who's trying to maintain a very good start at Red Bull, I would have hoped he could have done a bit more to stay out of trouble. Kyle first, then Alex. But I think Albon had, I think it was Leclerc on he, on his inside going up to him. Um, he, he, he could not have turned in anymore. If it had turned in, he would have clouted Leclerc. He was absolutely sandwiched. Yeah, he, he, he couldn't have done anything there. He was totally innocent. I'd agree with that statement from Carl wholeheartedly. And also, he probably didn't even know science was there. Um, because Sainz was actually sort of three quarters alongside and he definitely would have been looking to his left, not to his right. Uh, okay, then. And then the other incident with whose fault is this is Sebastian Vettel versus the sausage curb. Did he actually hit that new curb? You don't think he did? You think it was the same line the drivers were taking all weekend, Kyle? Yeah, I think he's just been very unlucky. We saw in practice, I believe it was... um I think it was Leclerc being asked to short shift before the bump. And it's not just one bump, it's a double bump. So I think Vettel just caught it slightly wrong as the car's oscillating up. It's just got it between oscillations and it's enough to break the suspension. The circuit, we should have mentioned this before getting onto the race where it's run and lost. The circuit was in a terrible condition and it has been for a couple of years. MotoGP saw it last year and to try and solve it, they, they didn't try to resurface it. They have actually ground some of the tops of the bumps off, which why it looks like really? a patchwork quilt. Really? Yeah. So yes, they, they diamond ground some of the bumps off. So um, I think Vettel was just very unlucky and it just shows the circuit, the circuit desperately needs a resurface. Now, we all know my feelings on Sebastian Vettel. So when it comes to something like this, of course, I'm not going to blame Seb. I just think he was horrifically unlucky. Um, got through there like everybody else. Like he probably did every single lap. He didn't do anything different. He wasn't, to be fair, he wasn't going quick enough because of the issues he was having to be mm. ragged. Um, and I think from the replays, he was following the exact same line as the guys behind him and that car just snapped. Um, but yeah, going back to what Kyle was saying about the track, every single clip you saw of the track where you saw a white bit on the track, that was where they ground away a bump and it was all over the circuit. However, I hope they don't change it. Bumps are great. Look what it did for qualifying. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, statistically the best qualifier in uh, in Formula One history was back down in fourth because he couldn't handle the bumps and he made mistakes. Yeah, they, they bumps cause errors. There was a track that I used to go to years ago called Matrims. It was the bumpiest thing in the world, and it was so much fun. And so many people <laughs> used to do better because of the bumps. And then they resurfaced it, and the racing was boring. I I absolutely hate bumps on like a go kart track, and I and I even hated 
because me and Alex, at the kind invitation of Sam Watley and the gentleman at the 206 GTI Production Cup Championship, uh, invited us for a test day at Silverstone uh, on a Saturday, yesterday. And me and Alex had a fantastic time in the rain. It was it was soaking wet. We're not going to go into that in too much detail, Alex, because we're going to sit down. We're going to cut together some of our in-car footage because we had an absolutely fantastic time. But even even there, just going up onto the curbs, the normal curbs, I did not realise how much of an effect that has on the car and the driving. So the bumps have a really massive effect on what you're doing. Yeah, I came out of the last corner and because it was so wet, understeering everywhere. And I went over the green bit going onto the back straight, so the main straight in front of the wing. Um, and it's so bumpy, so ridiculously bumpy. But i got to be honest, Banners, I had a bit of a geek moment when I got onto the hangar straight. I was like, I'm on the hangar straight. I know. This is so cool because, you know, all my racing's ever been only ever been on um, kart tracks and sort of uh, arrive and drive day. Uh, track day stuff so it, to actually be yeah. on one of the most iconic tracks in the world was absolutely awesome it didn't matter how fast i was going i loved it it's it's going to take all our power to not talk about it now and to talk about it later perhaps after the live stream we'll have a bit of a chat about it but yeah definitely getting on the curbs in the wet on the exit of stowe trying to keep it floored in a front wheel drive car with the back end squirming around uh yes it was a it was a heck of an experience and we will bring you some video footage later however in this race, yeah, the bumps. So if Lewis Hamilton, six-time world champion, is being shaken up and hindered by it, it's kind of good. Because what we've learned this season is Lewis Hamilton in the best machinery, starting not on pole, is absolute dynamite for a race. Here's a statistic that not many people have clocked onto, is that he has won eight races this season from not on pole. And no other driver has ever done that. Alex? How many races has he actually won this year? I I, uh, I, I learned that first. That, that took all my energy to learn that stat. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's an incredible stat. Not even I knew that. It might be 10. But yeah, he certainly hasn't been the king of qualifying this season. I think Leclerc is leading the overall polls. Uh, Alex is saying, wait. Are you saying wait while you look it up on your phone? Okay. That, you're saying you're going to come back to it later. This is great radio. Cool. Leave, leave all that in. Kyle. Yeah. Um, and this just goes to prove that in this modern era of you can't follow cars very well and race through it, just proving um, Lewis's mastery of the tyres and managing the tyres over a race stint and how he was the one to make a one-stop work well today and no one else could really. They all just defaulted straight to a two-stop because they knew instantly it wouldn't it wouldn't work. Look at Mexico. So that just highlights. That's an amazing stat. I, I didn't know that until you pulled that in. Well, okay, let's go to Matt Trumpet to talk about tyre strategy. Oh, Oh, bother. Right, he's not here. It's okay. I think I think we can handle it. And and you've hit the, the nail on the head where where this race became interesting is that Lewis does have that in his toolbox. He has the option to go long and then see if he can make a shorter stint at the end uh, work because he's he's saved his tires, so he comes out on fresher tires. And he, we also saw in Mexico and here he has the ability to make a, a set of tires last longer in a stint and to be able to kind of defend and hold off a threat. Alex? Do you remember in his junior career and earlier on in his F1 career, everyone thought he was a a, a tyre destroyer mm. and car destroyer. And, oh, when we get into this era of tyres that have to be preserved, Lewis is going to be nowhere. Where are those people now? Because, yeah, he's he's just shown he's an absolute master of managing tyres. And, it's, and 
I don't think anyone else could have made that work. Hang on, he didn't um, make he it went, work. He went 11 laps longer than anybody else went. Well, hang on, on let, let's... Or any of the other front runners went on those tyres. Let's be completely Incredible. clear, Alex. He didn't make it work. All right, he didn't make it work because he lost the race. And Bottas, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this to you right now, Alex. Yes, Lewis Hamilton, you can be happy. He won the six-time World Drivers Championship uh, today. However, this weekend, Bottas owned Hamilton. He had him covered at every single stage of the weekend. On a lap that was perfect for Bottas, that got him pole, great lap. Well done. Well done, Valtteri. Um, and Valtteri did a great job. Valtteri's done a fantastic job in qualifying this year. As a whole, he's been fantastic in qualifying, and I have no bad words to say about him in qualifying. And yes, Lewis screwed up his lap time, made several errors, and was only 2.9 tenths behind Bottas when the others were split by a tenth. So, you know, let's not go too crazy. And it started in fourth, and it's what cost fourth? Fifth? Fourth? And it's what cost him the race. Was he fifth? He was fifth. Okay. Um, it's what cost him the race. Um, if he was second on the grid, even if Valtteri had still out-qualified him and Lewis was second on the grid, I still think Lewis would have I think Lewis would have won that race. He had to fight his way back up and get through it all. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't, I think Bottas outdrove him through qualifying, but not in the race. I think Lewis had, um, Lewis was on the back foot compared to Bottas this weekend. He, he hooked up in P2, but in P3, he couldn't really hook it up. And then, and then in, yeah, and then in qualifying, Bottas, I don't recall seeing a locked break from Bottas all weekend, all through the race, even though the bumps, he just absolutely solid and he had the pace. So I think even if Hamilton had have started second or up on the front row with him, I still think Bottas had him covered. I mean, Bottas got absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah. Lewis, yeah, arguably has a championship to lose, but it was a four-mill Yeah, it was a foregone conclusion that Lewis is going to win a championship. Look, Just look at the FIA's little... Um, place car holder they put out for him near the podium thing everyone knew it was going to happen but Bottas Bottas would have just you know just let the brakes off and run him in I would have loved to see that side by side but Bottas definitely had him covered okay there's a comment in the in the live chat you can join us in the live chat by searching for Missed Apex podcast on YouTube and you literally can chat along while we're talking and we can see your your comments someone is sarcastically writing you guys convinced me Bottas for the world championship I I don't think Bottas is better than Lewis Hamilton. Certainly not the point I'm making. However, there have been a few races this year where Bottas has had the overall better race pace were it not for the tyre management that Lewis is able to string out. So there's there's been stints where you think, oh, Bottas is threatening here. He's catching or he's holding the lead. But then as the stint continues, you see that Lewis Hamilton is able to keep that tyre life up and he's able to go longer or has a wider variety of tactics open to him. Whereas in this race, Alex, the one reason why I think that Bottas could overcome that challenge was when Hamilton first came out on his hards, and a few laps later, Bono was saying to him, dude, you need to save these tyres for the end. He was doing like 38s, and he was catching Bottas. So you're like, wow, he's come out of the box. He's catching Bottas. He was like on low 38s, and he was catching him at about... 1.8 1.8 seconds a lap, something like that. And you go, oh, wow, okay, Hamilton has got pace. When Bottas did the same thing, fair enough, on lower fuel later in the race, he was banging in like 36s. He came straight out of the pits, and you could really see today, Alex, I'm, I'm really sorry to disagree with you. You know I'm Hamfosi, but Bottas had the pace. Bottas was the man this weekend. 
I, I think the two-stop strategy was the better strategy, but I think Lewis pulled that strategy off better than anybody else could have, especially better than Bottas had, because I solely disagree with um, your comments that Bottas has been able to match Lewis on race pace. I think the only race that Lewis is that Bottas bettered Lewis on race pace was Melbourne, and arguably Lewis had damage on his race on his car that race. Um, okay, can I, I clarify? Can I, I clarify? Can I just clarify? Uh, when I say race pace, obviously overall race pace is the amount of time it takes you to finish the whole race. What I mean is that you're in the like the meat of the stint, and Bottas is faster because he's better around the lap but he's not managing the tyres as well. So that's what I mean by Bottas has sometimes had the better race pace than Lewis. I think he can pull I think he can pull the decent times out, but at a consequence. Um, and I think what you'll notice with Lewis's pace today was he um, got in the window and then the ramp then, then stopped. He asked Bono for a target lap time once he got into the right position and then stuck that target lap time. And then his pace picked up a bit once Bottas got within two or three seconds, but it still wasn't enough. But I, I generally think the job Lewis did today was really, really impressive. Uh, a little thing to add to that and Lewis saving his tyres was the the ignoring of the team's call to pit on a certain lap and to get out of Bottas's way. And Lewis made the decision himself to stay out. Now, he he was about half a second ahead of Bottas when he when he decided to ignore the team, and he ended up pitting one point seven seconds behind Bottas. So he lost two point two seconds in all of that. Do you think that could have made a difference? I completely think that made a difference. As soon as Lewis, as soon as Lewis disobeyed the team, I was like, is that the right thing? And then all of a sudden, Bottas was on him and passed. I'm like, that's cost him because you know what was it? So he probably lost two and a half seconds through that extra lap. And he lost to Bottas by four seconds. So could he have fought him off for a little bit longer? It, it might have made the fight go on a little bit later. Yeah, Bottas is then in that stage. If if that causes two more laps of Lewis in front of Bottas, Bottas not been able to pass. That means he's got two more laps of degradation on his tyres and sitting in the dirty air. It could, I don't think it would have made a difference, but it could have made a difference. I don't think that was a good call from Lewis to stay out that extra lap. Uh, just before we get uh, talking about those ignoring uh, team instructions, much in the way that Vettel did, by the way, in the last race, and we praised him for making that decision in the cockpit, but Vettel's decision was a better decision, arguably, than the one that Lewis made today. Philip Allen in the chat. This is why we have a live, live chat room. They save us different tyre types for Bottas. Yes, Bottas came out on medium, so that does explain some of the tyre delta. It was a big tyre delta, though. I don't think it's all explained by the offset on the tyres, but thank you for that, Alex. Um, by the way, just to clarify, I'm not doing down the job Bottas did today. Sound, I think it was one of Bottas's. I think it was one of Bottas's best performances of the season. But I've seen comments of people saying, "Oh, he absolutely dominated Lewis this this weekend," and that's not the case. It was very close between the two. Mm-hmm. It came down to qualifying, and Bottas won that battle. Okay, so yes, that's true. But qualifying is part of the weekend as well, and Bottas did a better job through the practice sessions. He sounded more comfortable through the practice sessions and qualifying. Even in Q2, Lewis was saying, no, keep me out. I need, I need more time. I need more, more track time. Uh, in practice, to, to be your comment about uh, through the whole weekend, through practice two, nobody was quicker than Lewis on race pace. Oh, yeah. And there was comments from Charles Leclerc saying, well, I can't do those lap times. 
Okay, so, so yeah. during P2, it looked like it was going to be a Lewis walkover, and then some Saturday came, and Lewis's pace disappeared. I think the last thing on where the race was won and lost, and uh, that was, that's a very good point, Alex. I think I, I'm getting skewed more by Lewis's comments where he was vocalising his discomfort during the practice sessions in a way he doesn't always do. Uh, the last point really is, is there anything tactically that if you treat Bono and Lewis as a team, they could have done to overcome the 77 car? Kyle, if I was surprised actually to, to start with to see Bottas covering off Verstappen. On a track like that, I think that Mercedes, I think everyone actually overestimated the value of track position. Another track, not Austin, Hamilton's tactic pays off today and Bottas was correct to cover off Verstappen. But actually, I think if if Hamilton had come in at the same time or a lap after Bottas, we're looking at the same result. Um, I think I agree with that. Um, I I think Bottas... Uh, they pitted Bottas at just the right time. You see, Verstappen was extremely close to him when they come out. So one more lap, Verstappen would have would have jumped him. But then they were looking also looking at Hulkenberg's pace on on the hard tyres, yes. which which they're going to put Lewis on. And the hard tyres just weren't working very well. They they were starting to fall off, and Hulkenberg was starting to struggle. So I think they did exactly the right thing with Bottas, and they pitted him to cover Verstappen because they would have they would have lost track position. Now, do they think Bottas could have maybe nursed some hard tyres to the finish? I'm not sure they have that same confidence in him to do that. So um, I think they made exactly the right call and well, it paid dividends because he, he got the race win in the end. So yeah, I think I disagree with you in a weird way. I think we're in a world now where everybody seems to think everyone's scared of the undercut. And yes, because everyone keeps saying you can't overtake in these cars, um, they they think you can't do anything once the pit stops are done. But I think we've shown this year that mm. overtaking is very, very possible this year. I think we've had one of the one of the best seasons for overtaking that we've had in Formula One. And these these regulations have actually been very, very good. It's the certain tracks that have then made racing difficult. I think this was too far the other way in some ways though, Alex. It was very, very oh, I used your real name. Sorry, I apologize, Jeansy. I I, I think it was too much the other way. Like it was impossible to defend on this track. Is is there any, you know, uh, we, we, we can complain all day long. We complain about not being able to overtake. Then you get a wide open track like this. Where's where's the balance? DRS was too powerful. Comes on too early maybe. But to be fair, you know, if, if you're looking at the Lewis-Bottas battle, both times Bottas got close. The one time that he didn't manage to get past and the time that he did manage to get past, Lewis made a mistake into that final straight, onto that straight anyway. Yes. So Bottas had managed to close up on him. But yes, the second time, Valtteri just breezed past him. Lewis squeezed him quite hard on that, to be fair, right up to the edge of the circuit. Um, Lewis really showed how much he wanted to win this weekend. But yeah, I, I do agree. It's, it's the, the DRS is a little bit too much. And with 2021, it looks like DRS might go. Uh, apparently, it's, oh. it's, on the, it's on the shelf, isn't it? They're considering it. Uh, just just want to go to that, that move while we're on it. Lewis defended really narrowly and took full advantage of the new interpretation of the rules where you can just go all the way to the edge of the track. It was absolutely brutal. And and, and I think we can't argue with that because we have seen this season since Canada, or I think even before that, when Leclerc and Verstappen were, were, were dicing in that manner, Verstappen basically set the precedence. You can now guard the inside and then just drive to the outside of the exit and Bottas saw it coming. Jeansy. 
I'm also pretty sure Lewis moved twice. Oh, really? I'm pretty certain he, he was in the middle of the track. I'm pretty certain he went right and then he went left. I might be wrong, but I do remember seeing that straight out and thinking, did you move twice? It might have, might not have been, but it definitely looked like it. But he definitely pushed his teammate very, very close to the edge of the circuit. It was hard. I don't think it was two moves. I think that was fine. But as Lewis said after Monza, when Leclerc squeezed him going into the second chicane, he's like, well, now I know. At least I know now I can do that. And he did it to Bottas. So it was really good to see. It was nice to see the gloves off stuff. But I don't think the DRS was too powerful. When when Bottas got Lewis the second time, his rear tyres were gone and it yeah. it was acceleration going into the corner. So this circuit is really hard to get into the DRS zone. Look at sector one. It's like Beckett's at Silverstone. There's constant fast sweeps are very hard to follow another car. So I don't, so if you get to that position where you're within sort of, sort of uh, 100 meters of Even, coming out of yeah. the next corner and get a good thing, you deserve a good, a good poke at the end of the straight. So I think DRS is all right. And for 2021, they're keeping it on the cards as a tool should they need it. So they're going to keep it in and, and as we see, they could be quite fluid with oh. the rules now. So I can see them reducing its effect during the year. So they'll keep it with a full aperture to be able to open. Then I can see them maybe reducing it to 50% opening midway through the year if people are just breezing past. I'm on, I'm on board with that. And then in the second year of those regulations, you could say, oh, well, in Bahrain, we really didn't need DRS at all. So we can have no DRS in Bahrain, but we can have DRS in Barcelona. Something like that. I don't mind common sense like that at all. The uh, the before we move away from Bottas Hamilton, I just want to call out Bottas on one thing he did fantastically that I might be wrong about because I haven't heard anyone else say it. Is that when he came out on his mediums? Yes, he did push to make up the gap, but at some point he also managed his tires to make sure he'd have enough life in them to fight Hamilton. And you could see that on the lap times. It was a very smart reeling in because there was one point mixed in with the traffic where the gap didn't look like it was going to be coming down. But then he cleared the traffic, he'd had saved his tyres, he'd done everything right, and he closed that gap really, really quickly. And then Lewis's tyres were shot by then, and you could see he was missing apexes all over the place. Also, the second he came out of the pits, his first lap out of the pits was three seconds faster than Lewis. It was an unbelievable first lap. And then he did exactly what you said he did. So yeah, it was a good performance on that final step. Okay, let's talk about Ferrari. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. listening to Missed Apex Podcast, an independent podcast that is supported by 360-odd fantastic patrons. We thank you so much for your support. We have kicked out, I think this is something like the fourth show in eight days, and we are only able to do that because our patron supporters do consider if you would buy Matt and I a cup of coffee or a pint at a bar, if you saw us, consider supporting Missed Apex Podcast at patreon.com forward slash Mr. Apex, and we'll try and make it worth your while. Now then, Ferrari's pace suddenly disappeared. And as you shockingly alluded to earlier, Kyle, it coincided with Red Bull doing, I think what we've learned is a, a common trick. We went into it in a bit of detail with Matthew Carter, where the team will spot something illegal and they will then go and uh, propose a similar system to the FIA, like, Hey, look at that team doing that outrageous, cheaty thing. Okay, hey, FIA, we've come up with this outrageously cheaty thing. Are we allowed to do this? And and the answer is obviously no. Why are you asking? Oh, I see. Yeah, and and the consequence of them asking that question is it then goes onto a public forum so all the other teams can see it. So essentially, I think Red Bull have... Um, devise their own way it's something to do with the fuel flow sensors you can get more fuel into the engine and it's how it's pulsed it only reads on certain pulses so they're kind of saying our ferrari having a system where it doesn't quite count the pulses or they get something else to pulse at the same time so it so mm. so it discounts it and they can store more fuel so they've asked this in the public open way can you do it and ferrari magically lose all their straight line pace which is which is quite coincidental but then again look at the race the tires there is a counter argument that they just couldn't get the tires switched on a la the first couple of laps but it's a massive coincidence yeah Kyle, <laughs> Kyle I think it's the first thing <laughs> I think it's the first thing I, I'll tell you what um th- uh, there's three separate lines uh, of suspicion of how they could be doing this um so Matt had one I had one and Joe Saywood talked about one so the first one was the the noise from the electronic circuits interfering with the fuel sensor. So they deliberately induce electrical noise that interferes with the fuel flow sensor. Now, you'll remember, like Red Bull, they're the team that I think have brought this protest. They are the people who had that flexi pipe, aren't they, in Australia in 2014, where you were able to store, the the pipe would increase after the fuel flow sensor, so you could store more fuel. The flow rate wouldn't increase, but then you'd have more when you put your foot down. I had heard from Italy, Italia, that uh, that they were they were pooling fuel in their uh, intercooler. I'm saying words I don't really know. I'm regurgitating what I was told. So that basically pooling fuel in the same way that Red Bull were, but in a different way. Matt Trumpets had got hold of information that they were managing to apply more fuel between the intervals of the fuel sensor. And actually, if you play this back and can be bothered, all three things I just said 
aren't mutually exclusive. They could have been doing all those things together to cre- to cre- create a, a, a higher fuel flow rate. The key bit for me was that they were pooling it. Congratulations to anyone who's keeping up with this. That they were pooling it off throttle, which is why the the advantage came on the straights. Now it could be a coincidence, Carl, but they clearly had not quite the same straight line advantage. And and that has all sorts of other knock-on effects as well. If you're going at different speeds, your aero will behave differently, your brakes, your tyre management, everything. And basically, if from an engineering point of view, you have to feel for Ferrari, if they've had a big tool, a big weapon whipped away for one race, it's impossible to adapt all the other knock-on effects to, to compensate. Absolutely. Um, the cars are so on the edge and they're designed and... They're, yeah, they're designed and they're manufactured to work in a very specific window in a very certain way um, at a very certain speed. And Ferrari having this bit of straight line speed taken away from them, yes, yeah, could be huge. It's going to affect them. Um, they've actually, the FAA have done a clarification on the rules um, and they're saying you the fuel flow cannot be altered after the sensor. So they've now cleared this up. So, um I don't think it's going to be a one race thing. It, the, the really interesting thing would be to see a Ferrari straight straight line pace is still missing at the next race, which I believe is Brazil. I think it's Brazil up that up the big hill. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, it's it's sneaky but not illegal from Ferrari. It's a clever interpretation of the rules. And knowing I've struggled with sensors in my day job before at different frequencies and stuff like that, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to come up with such a system to cheat the FIA sensors. So. Good move from Red Bull to clarify. It'll be really interesting to see what the rest next race brings. And if you look at their gap to the front three today, it's pretty much exactly what it was back in Hungary before they had their massive upgrade. So have now Ferrari gone back to the level they were at in Hungary? Well, we'll find that out in the next couple of races. But um, yeah, a hell of a knock, and 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 a bit of a knock for next year because if that was their if that was their card to get everything going for next year and something to work on for next year, they've gone backwards again. Uh, also, though, congratulations to Ferrari for keeping it up for that long. They have turned around the season for uh, uh, with an innovation because I, I think, as we established again, talking to Carter, it's part of the DNA of Formula One that there aren't enough gamekeepers to keep up with the, the poachers. So Ferrari... It's part of it. You know, in, in, in Italian football, they don't see diving as cheating. Yeah, the crowd won't boo a dive. They will applaud somebody who was able to trick the referee into giving them a penalty. And Ferrari have pulled off, in a way, a masterstroke here. If they've managed to subvert the rules for that long and, and let everyone think they've got a massive advent, uh, engine advantage, in a way, I mean, definitely cheating, dirty Ferrari, but hats off to them, I guess. I don't think it's cheating at all uh, from the amount of literature I've read and different books and stuff like that and different scenarios. Um, I'm thinking back to Spygate in 2007 here. I, I doubt that any car all at all points during the Grand Prix is in full compliance of the regulations. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that there is something a bit devious on every single car out there at certain points during the Grand Prix. I doubt that any of them are complying to the regulations um and they said this in the dossier that they got from 2007 mclaren got from ferrari they knew several aspects where the ferrari wasn't complying to regulations and if they weren't discovered i no doubt um imagine they would have 
um, complaining about it. So, yeah, I think it's kudos to Ferrari. Yeah, they found a little loophole, they've exploited it. I think they may have been rumbled now, though. Wasn't it on the Carter show that somebody said that um, they can count on they can count on their hand how many times during a season that the car actually fully complied? Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of says it all to me. That's what the rules are. They're there to find loopholes. Adrian Newey talks about it in his book, How to Build a Racing Car, of how his job is to read the rules and then find ways around them. It's it's part and parcel of the game. Awesome, guys. Formula B was brilliant. Is it me? Is it just me? It's a bit of a radio presenter thing to say, isn't it? Is it just me or a queue's really long at the at the post office? Now, is it just me or did we see a lot more of the midfield, Kyle? Uh, we saw some great battles with the Toro Rossos and the, um, the Four Strolls and the Renaults and the Renault-McLaren battle. It bodes well for next year and it bodes really well for 2020 as well. Yeah, it does. The Renault-McLaren battle was of particular interest. Uh, big kudos to Shep. Out out to Dan Ricciardo because he got the softs to lap to lap twenty one. It was amazing, um, and he made a one stop work really really well. Um, I still don't know how he managed it. He managed to go to lap twenty one with softs and managed to jump both McLarens as well. So that was an incredible effort. But um, Norris as well. Norris stuffing Vettel on the first lap <laughs> when Vettel was falling backwards was absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's nice to see McLaren in there, but that's an epic battle. McLaren versus Renault, it was super tight. It was brilliant. And then throw throw a Toro Rosso in there as well. I still can't say that team name properly. I'm looking, <laughs> I was hoping they'll get a change to Alfa Tori. <laughs> I was, to be fair, <laughs> sorry, Carl, that really caught me. I like that. Uh, <laughs> um, I was I was enthralled by that mid pack battle. I've actually there was so much going on. I can't tell you what happened in what order, but the Norris. Um, Ricardo battle was fantastic. Um, Ricardo properly sent it. I was expecting at one point Renault engines to have issues in the back of those McLarens. Um, I was very much expecting that and glad that didn't happen. Then Norris dropped off the planet because he pitted and everybody missed it. And then he shot through the rest of the field. Mm. I mean, I'm a massive Lando fan, so well done to him. Um, Science was very consistent throughout the race. I think Renault completely utterly sacrificed Hulk. I, they left him in, in a really weird strategy. Okay, it was I, almost like, well, you're gone from the team now. We don't care anymore. I, I don't I, even know where he ended up, to be honest. No, I, on the one hand, yeah, you can do the, uh, oh, we forgot about you, Nico. Uh, we didn't want to use any more tyres on you because we're saving them for 2020. But actually, Renault have been kind of obsessed with this tactic of putting one of their cars on the hardest possible tyre and just leaving them out. I think the last two races, they've done it to Ricardo. See, I said Ricardo. Several people who emailed me to complain. Ricardo, Kyle. Yeah, it's um, Renault seem to have adopted the Kimi Raikkonen and Ferrari strategy handbook of leaving them out in no man's land. But um, I think I think there was logic in what they were doing. Just they got caught out by the hard tire not really living up to what it was supposed to be. It really fell off the cliff, and it really, really. Uh, it ended up screwing um, Hulkenberg over, but they fully they didn't change their strategy to a two stop. They were, they were they were bloody minded and they just carried on with it and they just stuck with it and he he ended up yes. suffering as a consequence. But Ricciardo, mm. Ricardo, sorry, um, Ricciardo is fine. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, um, laps Toto. really well on the softs and made it. Yeah, I'm going to stop talking now. Uh, no, you're right. I think you're right. It's, there's a bloody mindedness to the Renault tactics where they go, no, we're sticking to it. We'll, we'll see what happens. And you just have to feel for the guys that are out there going, 
all right, I'll let you pass. Okay, I guess there's a plan. They get their new boots on and everybody's too far, you know, too far down the road. But this was a track where you could put the the, the fresh rubber on and you could have a, a good run at the end. So like you said, Norris uh, had, a, had a good go as well. Perez, from the pit lane, I know I'm, you know, uh, Checo Fossi here, but from from the the pit lane to ninth and then and then he got torpedoed i have not seen this event but i'm gonna play the bumper whose fault is it uh, unless you say it was de- i don't have no idea whose fault it was but if you say it was perez's fault i'm probably gonna hang up on you kyle whose fault was it oh was this kiviat perez yes it was kiviat 100 he 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 engaged full torpedo mode <laughs> um again. and yeah yeah perez yeah again perez was trying to give him some room around the outside and kiviat yeah kudos for going for it but he just had no front tires left so just absolutely rammed him off 100 slam dunk no doubt brad will find a way to disagree with me tomorrow um, I haven't seen this one either, but that's now twice in two races in succession. Yeah. He's punted somebody off on the last lap. I mean, he's done such a good job this season compared to um, in, if you talk about what he's been through the last five or six years. He's done such a good job this season. And in the last two races, he's just completely ruined it. And if you ever want Marco up your backside, that's one way to do it. Yeah, he's not he's not doing much to help the the torpedo reputation in the last few the last few years. I guess Albon gets a mention for coming back after that first lap incident. I'm not going to give him any credit even though he got driver of the day because I'm blaming him for not doing more to stay out of trouble. He was dicing with drivers that he could have easily beaten today. He was sandwiched between a Ferrari that was going nowhere and a, a, a McLaren that was on for first lap glory Kyle. So for me, I'm not going to give him driver of the day or give him any props for that. Uh, I think he thoroughly deserved driver of the day. And also it was very unusual what Red Bull did with his strategy. So I was really surprised by this. He started on soft. So he was one of the only one of the top six to start on the soft. He had to pit at the end of lap one. So they could have then defaulted to the one stop using fitting a set of hards, then mediums towards the end of the race. And they didn't. He essentially still did a two stop from there on in after his first stop. So it didn't really make sense. I don't think his strategy was optimum from the couch expert. Didn't It looked suboptimum, very McLaren th- phrase. But um, so I think he thoroughly deserves um, driver of the day. He did, a, he did a stunning race. He gets racy, unlike Gasly. He does get racy. You're right. Yes. He gets racy yeah. and is not afraid to shove it up the inside. So yeah, full credit to him. Just It would have been nice to see him in the mix. I don't think he would have done anything if he was in the mix, to be honest. But yeah, no, an, another solid weekend, another top six. I just want to respond to Rory in the chat room. And, and there's a few people who think I hate Albon. I, I think it's the opposite. I think I, I really, really like Albon. And I think I may be setting my expectation bar for what I want from Albon way too high. So let's not make any mistake. I'm a, 100% an Albon fan. I'm on board. So apologies if it comes across like I hate him. Alex. It's unlike me, Spanners, but I'm going to pick on something you've said. What? It's wrong. And... You said that uh, you know he made an unnecessary move on a Ferrari that was going nowhere. It was turn one. How does he know the Ferrari is going nowhere? <laughs> all right, all right. I'll get you know. I'll so get and he was he, as as Kyle said, he started on the soft tire, so he got a good start, which got him alongside Charles Leclerc. There is definitely room for two, even three cars to go abreast around there. Um, and I, I, when you're in the middle of a sandwich like that and you haven't thrown it in, which he didn't do. 
you are the innocent party, the most innocent party, because arguably Charles could have gone a little bit more to the left and science could have gone a bit more to the right. Uh, Albon can only do with the gap that he's found himself in. Oh, no. Now mini cartel in the chat room says, Spanners and Albon sitting in a tree. Ah, I can't win. This is this is terrible. Um, however, we are facing a situation coming up soon where we're going to have three British drivers all coming through at the same time and Hamilton's going to be getting to the end of his career. If you think the Hamilton lovers versus haters battle was bad, wait until you come up against, you know, Russell Fossey versus Lando Nutcases. Gene T, it's going to be fanboy city and then throw in Verstappen in there who'll be a stalwart and then Leclerc as well we've got amazing times in F1 ahead I've got a big problem you know it wasn't it hasn't been difficult for me for the last however long since 2007 to be a Hamilton fan because there's no one else that's grabbed me like Hamilton has but Lando I love him I think he's brilliant I think he's a fantastic racer Albon I think he's just a lovely bloke Charles Leclerc even though he drives for Ferrari, I really like him. Um, however, I think the guy that's going to come through and beat them all is George Russell. And I'm saying it right now, make a note of the date. George Russell is the next big thing in Formula One. Ahead of Max, and bear in mind, I'm a Max fan. I'm, my surname's Dutch. I, I'm fully behind. I really like Max, despite some of the things he says and does. But I am a, I am a Max fan. Um, George Russell, for me, real deal. That was shown to me at Suzuka when he did his lap comparison with Albon. And when they showed his lap, Russell's lap was phenomenal. And I think that kid is, is the next big bright star of this sport. One thing to is also... Yeah, sorry, Carl. No, no. All I was going to say is that like, I know that in F1, for some reason, in other sports, it's perfectly acceptable to be a fan of one team or one player. And in F1, it's not. But in this space that we've created for us in the internet, I completely don't mind fanboyism. I don't mind people like flying the flag, supporting a nation, a country or a team. I think it really adds to the richness of the support. And as Alex says, so many of us are going to be in a difficult position, especially Hamilton fans, because he's not actually going to drive forever, you know. And uh, you, we are going to have to... I oh, know, Alex, it's okay. It's going to be okay. We've got... Don't really, say that. We've got really Please good, don't say that. We've got really good drivers coming up. <laughs> but Alex is right. We're all going to have to... We're going to arbitrarily pick our sides and then fight tooth and nail to defend them uh, for, for no real good reason. But it will be fun. Can I not like everybody and just enjoy the sport? Is you're, that not a thing? You're not Chris Stevens. No, you can't. Carl Power. <laughs> But if they're so good and also nice and force me to sit on the sit on the fence, what can I do? Uh, Hamilton actually saved the not saved the sport for me, but I was a huge Schumacher fan. So when Schumacher retired, I was like, oh no, that was my big thing watching him in the sport. So when he retired and Hamilton came in, I was like, great, I've got somebody else to support. And just like Alex and yourself have said, yeah, we have exciting times coming up. So with with Lando and with George, and I'm a huge Max fan as well. I'd love to see Verstappen go on and be be the established guy and them coming up trying to dethrone him i think we're in for some very exciting years to come look we're into off-season chat already hold your horses harsh uh we're not going there yet very quickly very quickly before we go to the podium we're not going to get bogged down in this carl what did you think about the track limits turn 19 the i liked it i liked that they were being harsh but for me i couldn't always pick up on the camera during qualifying exactly when we were at turn 19 I kind of needed like a turn 19 graphic to go, we are here. We are at the thing where they're not allowed to go wide. 
if you're a geek like myself and played a game enough, <laughs> you know when turn 19 is coming up quite regularly. I, th- I thought they got it spot on. I like the fact that they put an electronic loop now so they can see it with a computer. It's not a speculative thing. It's a slam dunk, yes or no, you're out of it. But how well behaved is everyone during the race? Like everybody's very well behaved and we didn't see much of it in qualifying either. It's weird they don't employ it out of turn nine where I think it's turn yeah. nine where Vettel had his suspension failure coming out. Um, it was arguably safer to run wide there, but um, track limits, I think they should discourage them from running off. Like I, they should have some tarmac, then a meter of gravel to go off and they don't need this. This track limits thing is over. Mm. It's, 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 it's null and void. If you go wide and hit the gravel, like, yeah, you've lost loads of time. So they shouldn't give them the option of being able to run wide and still be quick. So there's two basic things we can do. We can either, in fact, there's three. We can either say, whatever, anything goes, IndyCar style, just sweep around there, turn it into an oval, good luck, on you go. I don't think F1 fans want that. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think what F1 fans want is a natural barrier. So something like gravel, grass, a brick wall, or like what we've always, I think, argued for here is two metres of grass and then a tonne of runoff. However, it doesn't look like the FIA are looking for natural solutions like that. So what I didn't mention earlier when we said about Verstappen versus the grass is that actually that is a good example of a natural uh, a natural dissuasion. That's definitely not the word, but I'm going to go with it. Dissuasion for, going, for cutting that turn eight, turn nine bit. Vettel said, oh, well... Oh, we didn't do anything wrong. We've been doing it all weekend. We've been doing it all weekend and, and nothing has happened. Me and Kyle will have been sat there going, yeah, well, it's a latent failure. So you go over that curb enough times, you make it weaker and weaker and weaker. And it was just at that cusp where actually only one car suffered. It happened to be Vettel's. However, they all ran that same risk. And, and we saw in Austria about three years ago with the big, thick sausage curbs, like Rosberg, I think in qualifying took too much of a risk on that and ended up in the wall. His suspension broke. So you can just have these natural disincentives, but Formula One as a body doesn't seem keen to do it. So what I proposed was define the edge of the track on all F1 tracks, electronically detect when cars go all four wheels off, and then you can either automatically apply a dash penalty or it can signal up to the stewards and say, red five, turn eight, timestamp, 22 seconds. Actually, I'm a smart computer, so I've selected the video for you. Press button A to apply two-second penalty, and then they've got to lose two seconds. And Kyle, I think if we don't do the natural barriers, at some point we've got to move to an electronic solution. Yeah, and other championships do it. So I believe MotoGP, motorcycling, they have an electronic loop around the outside, and they can see when somebody has dropped or just gone over it with a sensor on the bike, they can use the transponders. Um, And then, yeah, they they penalise them. So, but the best solution, as you say, is putting a natural barrier to try and dis- dissuade them, discourage them for going that far, that far off the track. But um, they also wouldn't want to do that because they have to modify the circuits. So then the circuits wouldn't want them digging a trench in the middle of their lovely tarmac runoff area uh, to put some gravel yeah, in. No, <laughs> yes. no, yeah, yeah. And, and, and people keep saying, oh, but it's really expensive. The technology really isn't that difficult for sensors and I mean you look at things like hockey they've had it forever and if you look at like uh, cricket with the old Hawkeye I don't know what it's called now or tennis as well you, you can you can put a camera that can detect whether a car is on or off you can train a camera camera to make those decisions I don't think the financial thing is uh, is a big limiter but Alex you're a fan of the of sausage 
Sausage curbs. You're a fan of sausage curbs. <laughs> I, I, I'm more the fan of having a little bit of a gravel or a little bit of a, a grass strip and then run off because it just deters them a little bit, but they can go out there and not suffer too much. Um, but with regards to Vettel's incident, to be fair, it didn't deter anybody. Everybody was still running that curb as hard as they possibly could because it was, I assume, risk versus reward. And it didn't scare anyone off. I never saw Leclerc go through it, so I don't know if Ferrari told Leclerc to stay away. But um, They did. They did. No. They did. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 but did anyone ever actually see him stay away from it? I don't think we saw Leclerc all race. I think he had the most yeah, anonymous race of anybody. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I very much, um, sausage curbs I'm not a fan of because it's too much of a punishment for making a small error or if you're trying to avoid something. Um, I think something like some grass or some gravel is the better option. Okay. So I, I, I liked the electronicness at turn 19. I liked that they were doing that. And I hope to see it slowly introduced all around the world on F1 circuits where we can just easily detect that a car has gone four wheels off. And it's either an automatic penalty and you've got a little button that says I can appeal and you've got a couple of them a race. Or you go the other way where everything goes straight to a steward and they have a a yes, no. So there's going to be a man in the loop somewhere. But if we're going to have safety which I want because safety has to win every day and uh, and death only has to win once, then we have to accept that we have to have another solution unless you want them to just run off and do whatever they want, IndyCar style around Austin, which I don't think we want. We're into off-season territory a little bit here, Gene Z, but final word from you. Um, yeah, just to add to my point, um, I agree on the, um, if we can't have a natural way of doing it i think electronic is i think i agree i think electronic is the best way to do it okay good uh let's go on to the podium because i don't think we can contain van jean for much longer excuse us to foci Excuse us, Red Bull fans. Apologies in Finland, Brazil, and around the world. Will you allow this British podcast a moment of celebration for our driver, Lewis Hamilton, who has just clinched the World Drivers' Championship for the sixth time, Jeansy. How are you feeling, bud? Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. Yeah, no, I was up, punched in the screen, um, punching the screen, punching the air. Um, I... I, the guy's peerless at the moment and forgive me, I'm going to indulge, but I don't think anyone's on his level at the moment. There are people who can be as quick over a lap, people who can be as quick at phases during a race, but total package, there isn't anyone in the sport like him. And all six of those titles are fully, fully deserved because to be fair, the last three years, if they hadn't screwed everything up, and if a particular driver hadn't spun so much, Ferrari could have won the last three seasons. I Again, this will be broken apart during the off-season. But somebody asked on Twitter, Kyle, what would have happened over the last few years if Hamilton had left the sport and it had been Rosberg and Bottas at Mercedes? And I think we'd be looking. We did a detailed breakdown in the summer, didn't we, of um, the League of Justice for the cars. So the League of Justice for the cars, if they'd have had the same drivers... And and I think we'd be looking at Vettel potentially being a six-time world champion right now. Lewis Hamilton has had the best machinery at points, but he's definitely capitalised on it. Uh, here's the one who has made 
the difference. And in particular, the last couple of years, the 2017 regulation changes and Ferrari getting it really right. But it was last year that was the thing for me. I still think the Ferrari car was the best car for the majority of last year. Um, yeah. Um, and and he made the difference. Now, um, the one thing that I think that like, we can't all just give this un, you know, undivided adulation of Lewis here. The one thing I do think Lewis has been lacking against his his um his sort of co goat contestant of Schumacher <laughs> okay. is um is that invincibility that Schumacher used to have. And I think Lewis over the last couple of years just doesn't have that. He can get his head down during a race and start oh, moaning. You but have, you the have. last the last year or two We've started yeah. to see that come out of Lewis now mm. and Lewis not get sulky and not drop down during the races and Lewis being strong to the end. But Schumacher, there was always this invincibility to them that you knew, you know, they can, you can never give up and they will never give up and no one can ever count the race as a formality until the last lap. Lewis is starting to get that now, but he didn't have it before. The last time I saw the look on a human being's face that I've just seen on Alex Van Gene was when my wife was about to give birth. Lewis Hamilton, not as mentally strong as Michael Schumacher, Gene C. Okay, so I have to give a little bit of context to the listeners. Me and Kyle have had this discussion about 12 times a week for the last five years. So we're never going to get an agreement on it. But you can't say someone has mental toughness when on two occasions they smash somebody off the circuit and on one occasion park it in the middle of the corner. That shows complete, okay, okay, I quit, okay. I can't beat this person, therefore, but I know what Spanner's going to say, and we're not going to have an argument about Lewis and Schumacher right e- now. Exactly, and, and also this is, this is not the time to talk about Schumacher, we're talking about Lewis Hamilton. I, I see Carl's point, but also Lewis Hamilton's emotions come out more because he wears his heart on his mouth. So you, you, you hear everything he's feeling, he does not mind sharing that with you. So that kind of lends itself to that but you don't know how cathartic that is to Lewis maybe getting all that out of his system and whinging and saying oh it's terrible maybe that is part of his strength as well but on the on the outward side yes it definitely looks like he doesn't have that same that same bulletproofness but this season if uh, if we're looking at towards the end of the season it kind of looked like things were getting out of his control because the ferraris were were getting in the mix Bottas has now won two races since Lewis Hamilton last won a race. I think if I'm if I'm not wrong, it might even be three. But he did make such a good start at the beginning of the season that he was able to manage it. I think ha- had it been closer in the second half, he would have driven very differently. There is there's loads of situations on lap one in the second half of this season where Lewis has has ducked out of battles. He's been quite conservative, Alex. Yeah, and we've seen that from him before um, when it gets to this stage of the season because he's done the hard work. And because he's done the hard work, he can make that decision to go, ah, do you know what? I can I can sacrifice a couple of points and maybe get them later in strategy or maybe get them later on the track. I don't need to dive up the inside of Max at Turn 1 at Mexico, um, even though he did, but well, around the outside at least anyway. But um, yeah, I, I, he's he's very clever. And he just oh, sorry. He's finished <laughs> 34 races in a row. Sorry, Lewis won in Mexico. And I've had a complete brain fart there. Lewis won in Mexico. I was thinking of, oh, yeah, Lewis it was Bottas won in Japan, didn't he, as well? So yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Apologies to everyone who's screaming at their podcast <laughs> player right now. It is quarter past 11. It is quarter past 11 at night. Mm-hmm. The, the chat room as well is, we'll stave some emails off. They're talking about Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, where he was slowing 
Rosberg down in the corners. They're saying that was as dirty as Schumacher uh, parking it at Raskas. No, because that was a sporting thing to do. He had no other option but to do that. He didn't hit anybody. He didn't cause anybody to crash. He just drove at the slowest possible pace that he needed to do to win that race, which is exactly what Alain Prost used to do. And oh. he was given the name The Professor for stuff like that. So no, it's all about winning the race in the slowest possible time. And that's what he did for Abu Dhabi. Um, and I've now completely forgot my point because you cut me off. Yes, no, I did that. I meant to. It's just that I, I was so embarrassed with the amount of grief the chat room. The thing is, everyone is different stages behind uh, behind the live chat behind the video stream so a few comments came in saying oh no he won in mexico i was like oh yeah of course he did and then now loads of other people are catching up and going you moron yes that was a very idiotic thing to say i confess but it is time to give awards and we do a good one and a bad one and if you want to give the bad one to me for not remembering that lewis won the last race then you absolutely can but first is our good thing award kyle power you are now on twitter you are building a following quickly. You are a man I admire and you should be popular on Twitter. You are a <laughs> you are an engineering guru, a scientist. You're a man of logic and I respect that. I don't like that you have a beard and no moustache. I think that is weird. I would think twice before trusting you with my children simply on that that <laughs> manner alone. However, your fragrantness and the way you smell is divine. So overall, on balance, I would say follow at F one on Twitter. And I would ask you, Carl Power, who is your thing of the weekend? Or what is your thing of the weekend? My thing of the weekend, and thank you, I'm trying not to blush after that beautiful intro you just gave me. Um, uh, my thing of the weekend was um, actually Sebastian Vettel going up to the driver's box um, before the podium ceremony and congratulating Lewis. What an absolute class act. And to add to that, the funny thing, it was Robotas's CPU for getting to engage personality mode when Vettel tried to give him a fist bump. That was hilarious. I missed and that. I just didn't know, is it, is it what's happening to me? What's happening? Oh, oh, touch things down. Oh, yes, there we go. Personality, sorry. GPU froze a little bit there. Um, yeah, so that was my thing for the weekend. Absolute class act from Vettel, as always. <laughs> Alex Van Jean, who is your thing of the weekend? Um, I agree with Kyle on the Seb thing, class act. I, my my personality trait of Seb has changed over recent years. Um, and yeah, absolute class act today. Um, my thing of the weekend, I've got two. I'm going to go with the less controversial one. And mine's Albon because I think he was unlucky to lose some of his wing today and his fight back was incredible. His pace was phenomenal because if you compare it to Max, who's had years and years and years in that team to develop it and Albon's had five races, I think he's done an absolutely stellar job today. I'm very tempted to give it to Valtteri Bottas, uh, but I was delighted to see Daniel Ricciardo, even though, even though he's driving in my 10th favourite Grand Prix car that's on the grid at the moment. I was delighted to see him him make things work today. So I'm going to give my thing of the weekend to Daniel Ricardo. Can I have a slightly second one because of what today is? Um I also ha- I did write down Lewis Hamilton purely for his absolutely unbridled determination to want to win this race today. 
he was very clear from the absolute get-go that he wanted to win this race. He wanted to win the title today in style. He just lost out, but that steely determination is part of the reason I'm such a fan. And that's something, yeah, we haven't mentioned actually. And I thought um, the last two championships we saw Lewis wrap up was a bit of a wobble yeah. around to fifth place. This one, it was nice to see him actually fighting and going for the win. So I can't believe we didn't mention that earlier, to be honest. It was a good second place. It was a really good second place. But he was flattered slightly in that the Red Bulls weren't ever going to have the ultimate tyre life to challenge. And the Ferraris disappeared because in Verstappen's words, they're not cheating anymore. So it, it was almost always going to be a two-horse race. I would say Verstappen did incredibly well. No, you're disagreeing, Alex. Verstappen did really well to be in the mix. What did he say? Verstappen, he, he flat out said, he, he was asked about Ferrari's pace and he said, well, yeah, they're not cheating now. When did he say that? In the, in the pen? After, yeah, afterwards, after the race. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. I missed that. Yeah, it's really funny. He was setting up for this. Yeah. Oh my days, Max. So nice. I don't feel, like I was trying to soft pedal it a little bit. <laughs> well, we didn't really soft pedal it, but I think it's kind of beyond doubt. Unless I, I would now have to hear extraordinary evidence to convince me that Ferrari hadn't been cheating slash found a loophole. And, 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 and I'm not doing Ferrari down because, as we said earlier, we're kind of complimenting them for finding it. So they, they, but they have been found out and they can't do it anymore. Uh, we have a bad, a bad thing award, don't we? Uh, let's, let's do that one. Oh, no, you missed the apex. Thanks, Treeface. Let's go to Alex Van Jean first for this one. You are at Alex Van Jean on Twitter. That's at Alex, spelt normally. And then Van Jean is really, is weird. It's like, it's not two words, it's one word. V-A-N-G-E-E-N. At Alex Van Jean. Why you're not changing it to F one I don't know. But that's where you can be found on Twitter. Do you, do you have an Instagram page? Do you put up Instagram stories? I have an Instagram. I now have a TikTok. I have two videos. It's me and my daughter. But I have a TikTok because I'm 21. Um, but every if you want to find me anywhere, just type in Alex Van Jean because there isn't another one of me, which is great. Um, I would really like more followers on, on Twitter. So please click the follow button because I'd really like a few more. I'm under 700 and I want more because I'm greedy. I'll um, put a link to all the panel's social media things in the show notes. Woo-hoo. It's a lie. I won't remember to do that. <laughs> Okay, Gene. You did a really nice one a few a while ago. Anyway, yes. No, so no, hang on a minute. Bad. Just, just, it, before you give me any credit, Matt Trumpets writes all the show notes. So it, if there was a compliment, it was not from me. Do not take that as me approving of you in any way. Missed Apex Award. My bad thing is different to what I've got written down, but it's got to go to the torpedo. Two races in a row punting somebody off on the last lap. Come on, Danny. He has got the air of someone who's been told he's not racing next season or he's been told he's definitely racing next season. Like he, he's not driving like someone who's, who's like trying to make sure he's securing a contract. So it's one of two things. He's either been told he's definitely in or he's definitely out. Kyle Power, who would you give your missed Apex award to? Now, it's a bad thing. Even though the award is named after our show, it's a bad award. Can I give it to two people equally? 
Yeah, why not? We've for the same, time. okay, I'm going to give it to Lewis and Max for their Q2 scuffle of Lewis disagreeing with the gentleman's agreement and then Max petulantly saying, no, you're not, and forcing his way ahead of him anyway and compromising them both. So, yeah, they get my mistake picks. Now then. Some people think I'm a stroll hater just because I point out that he's only qualified out of Q3 five times, uh, Q1 five times. Uh, and I normally, I refrain from trying to give him the mistake apex and I overcompensate by really pointing out when he does good things. But he blew it today. He definitely blew it today. He was off on lap one. He had some adventures mid-race and his teammate that started in the pit lane finished in the points and he didn't. So my missed apex award goes to Stroll. Do you disagree with me, Jeansy? I paid no attention to Stroll's race today. Okay. Because I never do anymore. And I still agree with you. Because <laughs> I'll always agree. Because get out of my sport. Okay. The views of Alex Van Gene, not necessarily shared by Mist Apex, who you can find on Twitter by searching at Mist Apex F1. You can follow me as well, if you'd be so kind, at Spanners Ready. And you can support the show financially. And we would be super, super grateful if you went to patreon.com forward slash missed apex. Uh, we are we are one award away. No, we're not. We're two awards away. I've remembered. Are there any ponies? Are there any ponies? Has anyone got a pony? Let me play uh, the bumper then. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Oh, my gosh. that That bumper is like five years old now. That my daughter was, I think, was two when she did that, and she's now seven. It's quite funny. I'll get her to do a redo because she's just as terrible. Pony Award, Jeansy. I think it's got to go to Max Verstappen. He had a whole big whinge in the press conference at the beginning of the weekend about what um, Lewis and Seb said about him. He was moaning about power. He then moaned about. He then got revenge on Lewis um, for what happened in. Q2 and screamed about it over the radio, calling him all sorts of different names. Um, and I think there was some whinging during the race, but I can't remember now because it was too long ago. Uh, but yeah, he, yeah. He, 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 it was not, there was literally nothing positive came out of Max Verstappen's mouth. Oh, we had a go at Ferrari for cheating. So yeah, nothing positive came out of that kid's mouth this weekend, which is, a, I'm getting annoyed because I am a Max fan and he's making it really, really difficult to be a Max fan because of all the things he's saying and doing off the track, despite how much I love what he does. On let's let's put a pin in criticising Max too much. Everything you've said is valid. He is clearly, at the moment, for some reason, got a big B in his bonnet. Like there's something, there's some fire that's just irking him in the wrong way, like a thorn in a lion's paw, and we don't know what it is. There could be something happening in the background. It could be the strain of just this season not going the way he, he wants it to go. I'm going to reserve judgment because I do think he's a massive force of nature in F1. I'm interested to see how he comes out in 2020. If he comes out in 2020 and he's shaken off the all shaken off the same vibes that a lot of other drivers have had, if he shakes off the Lewis Hamilton 2011, the 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 um the Lewis what was the what the Pussycat Dolls phase, if you like, if you want to put it that way, if you want to put aside the uh Vettel had had similar had similar attitudes as well. So I'd be interested to see when Max can shake it off. I don't think he's going to be in contention for a title until he does. Uh, but I want to do a couple of anti-ponies. I think Lando Norris is either so cool and calm on the radio 
that he's able to just come out with just these genius quips. Or, as is equally likely, he is genuinely bonkers and is just being himself. And we all get to enjoy that, hopefully, for the next 15 to 20 years. You're asking that question when he came to the, when he posted a video of himself dressed fully in Valentino Rossi bright yellow and then came to the track wearing said hat. The kid is brilliant, but bonkers. And I love him. So uh, I also want to, uh, to say that someone's mentioned Roman Grosjean in the chat there. Every single race this season. I have looked at the odds of first driver to DNF, uh, to, sorry, yeah, to, to not finish. Roman Grosjean is the favorite, the shortest odds to retire first in every race. And he was as short as nine to one today. And, uh, Rotty Sheep agrees with me and says, uh, I think Norris is definitely nuts. Lewis Hamilton could have gone full pony on the radio this weekend, like he did in Mexico. And I was waiting for it. I was, I was waiting for him to kick off. I guess having six world championships on your right there, right there for you to grab kind of takes the edge off the complaints of, oh, maybe I should have pitted a, a lap earlier or not. There's one more award left and it normally is down to Matt Trumpets to give us comment of the week. But let's see if Kyle Power has managed to ably fill in. Comment of the So I have a few of them. Uh, the first one, which I believe is going to win it, which I'm not going to read out yet. I have, in my wisdom, not cut in their name, but I'm sure you can remember their name for me because it's a brilliant comment. You've been talking um, for so long, yet you have not told us the first contender. That's amazing. So the answer to could Kyle... I'm trying to stand in from Matt here. So yeah. <laughs> He makes it look easy, doesn't he? He makes it look easy. Indeed. So it's Onster fairly like which I'm going to butcher again. And that's definitely not a name, but okay. This is the Ferrari fan stream, question mark, which I thought was quite good. I know. Um, I, Ian, I'm sorry. I feel bad because this is this was such a Hamilton fan stream. I apologise. I hope <laughs> you will judge us for being reasonably balanced given our start points. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's Ian Erasmus who said Kyle Powers is damn sexy. So true trumpet style. I'm going to put one that's good for me in there. I feel like to live up to it. you've made a mockery. <laughs> who Who is it made that comment? Who is it made that comment? Ian Erasmus. Ian, Ian, you have made a mockery of the live stream and the values we hold dearest. Thank you for tuning in to cheers, the live mate. stream. Yeah, cheers. Cheers, Ian. Make a thing. Um, Christopher Fonseca, Cota previously promised they would completely resurface the track and the Mexican GP would pay for it. Oh, don't. Boom. That's <laughs> no, that is political naughty. You know, you know how I feel about political opinions. I don't have any. Um, it's Ian Erasmus again another one because I just feel kind of weird that stupid sim races like myself are held to a higher standard on track limits than F1 drivers are yep which just, is, that's it. just detect when they go one. off and give them a penalty and they'll stop doing it indeed and uh, low stealth for Hamilton has to be a clean driver look at all the hate he gets for just being alive and in F1 that's true <laughs> yeah, well, you know it, it's, um, it is a point that he has challenges to deal with a certain level of abuse and attention that other drivers don't. But he has built up his walls. He has, I'm sure, his own bubble. And a lot of his behaviour sounds strange because he's retreated into a bubble and he he has like a, a group of yes men around him to a certain extent. 
at which I can only dream of. I am surrounded by people who give me constant aggro. I dream of the day I can dump these losers and be surrounded by yes men. <laughs> Indeed. And, uh, and, and, and the last one, which I think is the winner, but I have not cut their name in, so I don't know who it is, but it's AWS, the people who are putting the graphics up for some context. AWS has to stand for absolutely wild speculation at this point. That, that graphic <laughs> Which is, I think is brilliant. That graphic for the tyres is a guess at best. It's the, it is the stroll of graphics. <laughs> so I want to know who was the AWS has to stand for absolutely wild speculations at this point, because that is my comment of the week, but I don't know who it was. Comment of the week. If you made that comment, then send us a postcard with your address on it and we'll mail you your comment of the week award, which is not made of anything except our love and admiration. Thank you to everybody who joined us in the live chat. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. You'll get a notification if you click that bell when we go live. But normally we aim to go live at 8 p.m. GMT uk time for all our new shows and race reviews thank you so much for keeping us company through this 2019 season the racing has been fantastic even though my my personal celebrations were not on the same level as van jean because i kind of felt like the title was wrapped up several races ago and if it wasn't for the fact that the title had been not in doubt for so long i think people would be looking at this as a really, really golden season in F1. So what I would say to people who were watching it just for the championship is let's really enjoy these last two races together because those drivers on track will still be going for the win, whether or not the championship has already been decided. Until we see you again, be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, but glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Trumpets? Where we're going, we don't need no trumpets. No, we always miss trumpets. Oh, we de- definitely like forgive me for the race analysis of where it was won and lost because I was like, well, uh, I guess Bottas crossed the line first, so I guess he won. But uh, you know, we give our sh- we give it our best shot, didn't we, Carl? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.